fired up. Fourth down and goal from the nine. 17 seconds to go. The play clock at three. Shotgun snap. Car throws nice. into traffic. Nice. Intercepted. Nice. Nice. Jermaine Pratt Woo! has the football. Yeah. Coffin now. Bam, bam, bam. How about that? It ends on a turnover. Joe Burrow takes the snap. He takes a knee. And after 31 years, yeah. the drought is over. It is no fluke. It is a fact. The Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Super Bowl 56. Welcome back. It is another episode of Part of the Punctuation. I am your host, as always, Aaron Smith, joined this week by Jeff Howell. Ed is not with us tonight as he is in Florida, probably wearing some way too overpriced Mickey Mouse ears and T-shirts from the happiest place on earth, where apparently no one dies because... You can't report a death at Disney World. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew that or not. You have to be off the premises of Disney World before you can actually declare someone dead. Uh, Uh, Of course, because no one can die there. That's absolutely wild. But uh, we are joined by Dave Simone of Bearcat Journal. Uh, First time on the show. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of Bengals. Um, But first and foremost, I want to get to the, the biggest topic of the week. Did Will Smith and Chris Rock stage that, or or was it 100% real? I don't know. I think it was real. I think it was real. At first, I thought it was very staged, and now I'm not as sure. Either way, it was really weird. It's very strange. Not good for anyone in that situation. (laughs) I know they say that all publicity is good publicity, but I don't see how... I mean, Chris Rock basically just kind of looked like a little bitch. They, he... they they said that the viewership went from like five million to like fifteen million. It went up fifty eight percent or fifty six percent from last year, um, where they they were at about nine nine point seven, I think. Um, well, but I mean, from like when it happened, yeah. like nobody was watching like this year. No this one is the was Golden watching. Globes. Who cares? No, it was the Oscars. But, it was the, it's like Oscars. the biggest. I didn't even know it was Whatever. a thing until about eight this, o'clock that night. That, that that's how much everybody knew about it. Aaron thought it was the Golden Globes. <laughs> yeah, Aaron just, thought it was the Golden Globes. Just don't care how much people were paying attention. But no, uh, uh, there's been some. I'm not gonna you know read them verbatim. But if you're familiar with Tom, the comedian Tom Segura, man, he, he had some tweets. Those he did. Were, those were funny. He did. Oh, he he's that dude's hilarious. Oh, and yeah. then coach coach 30, uh the guy that like breaks down all the the funny plays during like the whenever teams, you know, yeah. get embarrassed on the the football field. He uh he broke it down. Did a pretty good job. Well, Dave, we did want to bring you on to talk about the Bengals offseason. I know how much you, we've we've talked about doing this for weeks and weeks. Uh with Ed out, it Kind of helped to have somebody come in, so we I'm we glad did. I could help. Yeah, we we finally want to get your thoughts, as I know you've been 
I mean, dying enough to talk about them so much, in fact, that you've been just dropping little little tidbits here and there while you've been doing the BCJ pod. So here's fun to talk about now. Here's your time to shine. But the Bengals have certainly made some moves, started in the offseason with the franchise tag of Jesse Bates. Uh, what were your thoughts when they franchise tag Jesse Bates? Are they going to get a deal done in this offseason? What, what are your thoughts here? I was not surprised that they were not able to get a deal done. Um, it just kind of felt like it was heading that way for a while. Uh, uh, I, I'm not sure why. I they you know they consistently say that they you know value Jesse and want him to be a part of the team long term. Jesse consistently says that he wants to be here, but for whatever reason, um, you know, some have speculated that it's kind of a contract structure thing where they typically are actually not even typically never put more guaranteed money in a contract outside of the first year. Right. And as good as Jesse is, he's not going to be the one to break them of doing that. Joe Burrow will, but Jesse won't be. And if his agent is hell bent on getting more guarantees, you know, outside of that first year, then maybe that is why that, they haven't been able to reach a deal, but it, but it, it is kind of an interesting thing with the Bengals in that while, yes, they don't guarantee dollars after the first season, you almost never see players not fulfill their contract. So essentially their contract is guaranteed. Like Jesse Bates is a really right. good player unless he has some sort of catastrophic injury at 25 years old. He's going to see that entire deal. Well, so, and I, th- I think the worst example of that was when they gave Robert Gathers his entire deal. I mean, they've given it to almost basically every marquee player that they've ever signed recently has, you know, seen through the, the vast majority, if not all of their contracts. So, you know, can it still get done? I think so, because... You know, you didn't see any safeties that came in this in this free agent class get anything near Justin Simmons, Jamal Adams type figures. So maybe that does allow them to to get something done. But you know, I'm from what's happened so far, none of it really surprised me all that much. Now he shares an agent with Deshaun Deshaun Watson. Watson. Yeah who just rinsed the Browns. Yeah, he got all the guarantees. <laughs> and the NFL. I mean, absolutely <laughs> rinsed them. So I mean, It's kind of one of those things where, you know, some people are saying, is that going to reshape how contracts are done? And it might. But, like, the Christian Kirk contract for Jacksonville isn't all of a sudden going to reshape how wide receiver deals are done. Teams are still going to go, yeah, that, that deal was not good, but – that's on them. Like everybody isn't going to start giving number three wide receivers, you know, 18, $20 million a year. Well, even Juju's deal was not good. Uh, if you're looking at it as a player, heavy, I mean, he- heavy incentives for him. Yeah. I think they reported it at almost 10 million. Yeah, and it's, it's really it's like a like, $3 million deal. Right. Like it's lots. Does he have any incentives. TikTok incentives? Well, I mean, now that you have him and Jackson Mahomes together in the same city, All the holy shit, watch Good out. God. Like the memes about how uh, Tyreek Hill saw them do one TikTok in the locker room and he was like, I'm out. I'm out of here. Yeah. 
So well, do you think he decided to go from the best arm quarterback in the league to maybe the worst? So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, so do you think Jesse Bates deserves top three, top two, top one safety money? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't pay him what Jamal Adams is making because I don't think Jamal Adams should get paid what Jamal Adams is making. I mean, $18 million or whatever that is a year for safety is is high for me. Um, I think he's definitely worthy of top five money. I mean, you're still young. You would probably only sign him to a four or five year deal. He could still possibly get another deal on top of that. Unlikely with the Bengals. They don't, as we've seen lately, and I agree with, they don't love doing that third contract, but like something in the 15 million range, I think is, is doable is fair, but I mean, we're, I'm just obviously wildly speculating. I don't know what they've sure. offered or what what he's asked for. So, you know, that's the, the funny part from a fan perspective. Oh, just just pay him. Well, what is he asking for? Right. Well, you know, and like, how much of it how how much of it is you know, they didn't want to necessarily sink a bunch of money there before they you know, we're we're kinda on the other side. Aaron and I actually talked about this earlier, but we're kinda on the other side of, of like the big splash free agency deals that, that go right at the beginning. And we're kind of in the draft mode now. Oh, yeah. And you kind of, as far as the Bengals, like they, they had some, certainly had some needs that were required to be filled. And who knows really what that money was going to, what they needed there money-wise to fill those needs. Obviously, we're kind of past that. So maybe they're back at the table with Jesse until what, they have to like July or something. Yeah. Is that I correct? July yeah. 15th. Um, you know, he's playing for basically 12 million if he signs the, you know, signs the tag, for, you know, $12 million cap hit. So they were able to sign him to an extension. It would, I mean, it would lower that number, but they, they always do a decent amount of rollover dollars. And, and that's, that's not an issue. I mean, they've spent cash to cap up there with, you know, in the top group for the last several years. So I, I'm just not sure, you know, I guess at, at this point, it, even with several months to go, I would be surprised if they got a deal done because what will have, I mean, I guess it would, it would be a change on his end because we know how they operate. Like they're not all, they have a value on a player, whether we agree with it or not. And they don't, come off that number. So if a deal gets done, I would think it would be because he has decided that this is in my best interest to not play on this kind of one year, who knows what might happen situation. They're not all of a sudden going to go, okay, we were offering you this. Now we'll, we'll come and meet you where you want us to be. I just think it'll be interesting to see what happens next year as the I believe next year is when the new TV contract comes up, um, and we already I think have pretty good ideas to what that's going to mean for most of the teams, and what they have available to. Oh, offer yeah, players. I mean the cap it's is going to jump quite right. a bit, but I mean they have got a lot of guys that are going to have to resign. Well, they've got th- they've got three that they that we know for certain they're going to want to get something done with, and one of them is going to probably make half a billion dollars. So. It's insane. So it'll Absolutely be interesting insane. to see how that all gets structured. But that, you know, that's 
well well down the line. But so the Bengals did make some moves, though, as Jeff was alluding to. They had some needs to shore up the offensive line, and shore up the offensive line they did, as they brought in Lyle Collins, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa at your center guard tackle spot. So the the right side of the line is is covered comparatively to last year. Um, they also bring in Hayden Hurst at tight end. Uh, who was your favorite move that they did in free agency as far as bringing in? Uh, probably Collins. I mean, just because, like, he's – given what we watched, you know, after Riley Reef got hurt, that was – you know, Isaiah Prince is, is not that dude. And uh, Collins is. I mean, Collins is one of the best right tackles in the league when he plays. So there was obviously some – risk involved and they they played the situation perfectly i mean you have to give them credit there was you know outcries to oh just just trade for him just you know just make it happen so you don't lose out on him and then when it was not when no one traded for him and he got released it turned into well just pay him just do it you know do whatever you gotta do to get him and they end up getting him for basically the same thing he was on in dallas of you know roughly ten million dollars a year, a lot of that <clears throat> tied into game, perf- game you know Ross game active bonuses you, and stuff. Are you on the field, right? Right. Which I mean, for the last two years, he has had a hip injury, and he's been suspended. Mm-hmm. So you need to cover yourself. You can be excited about a guy, but if he had, if he was this like perfect player, he wouldn't be available. And he wouldn't have been released. He, you know, someone would have traded for him. So, but when, when good, and he seems to be excited to be back with Frank Pollock and and all of that, he is arguably, you know, a top five right tackle. And, you know, you just take a position that was such a weakness and you don't even turn it into average. Because we all know average offensive line, they, you know, say we could have, would have, should have, but average offensive line, they probably win the Super Bowl. You really only need two more seconds. So to go from bad and skip average and go to good, at least at that position, uh, is is a huge deal. And when you you add that to Alex Kappa, who is a dude, especially in the running game, like they're going to run behind that right side a lot and it, they're going to do a lot of damage doing that. That's, I think, probably the biggest thing that most people aren't talking about as they see the the line shored up for Joe Burrow is the fact that the line's also shored up for Joe Mixon. For sure, because, I mean, the headliner is the 70 sacks and how many hits and the Bengals fix their offensive line from a pass blocking standpoint, which they definitely did. I mean, there's been plenty of people on, on social media or whatever that have put out, you know, that can do all the graphics and stuff comparing the five linemen last year to the five linemen that they should have this year. And it's, you know, there's no comparison, but from a run game standpoint, especially on that right side, um, huge, huge improvement. You also see a lot of people, who you know expected them to to i don't know that expected is a 
the right word, but maybe we're like hoping that they were going to put together this like all-star, like star-studded 90s on Madden across the board, like offensive line. And then they start looking at it and they, they put their numbers and graphics out and they're like, this is really nothing more than an average offensive line. And alluding to what you just said, that's just about all they need to do is go from bottom of the barrel offensive line rankings wise to really they get up to that, you know, average to like, you know, maybe close to number 10 ish ranking offensive. That's all they needed to do. For sure. I mean, I think, I think Ryan Tannehill was sacked the second most times with at 48. So, I mean, even if you're at that number last year, what, what kind of difference does that make? And I think this group can be, you know, you still have questions on the, on the left side at left guard uh, potentially, but I mean, I think this group can be right there as a bona fide middle of the road, top 15 pass, pass blocking line. Um, and, you know, say you cut the sacks in half. 35. Like that's an, ins- that would be an insane improvement. Joe would be so happy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the, the, cum- the cumulative effect of all of it is like, yes, the sack number gets, gets, you know, talked about the most, but how many times were there pressures where he wasn't sacked and he spun out and had to throw the ball away where one more set, like a half a second longer and he's able to throw the ball. Or, Coverage you know, sacks. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just, I think, you know, being able to identify the weakness, which that wasn't hard to do, but being aggressive and not just saying like, let's get one or two guys and we'll, we'll address the rest of it in the draft or we'll address it with player development because we feel good about these guys. Like they, they did what, you know, I would say we all as fans hoped they would do was go out and get three grown men who have started a lot of games for good teams who are, you know, still in their 20s, can still get better, but you know what they are. There's no, for good or bad, they're not all pros, they're not world beaters, but you know what you're getting and the consistency and the dependability, especially with Kara or with Kappa and Karis, is worth as much as anything else. Because last year you just had no idea from almost play to play what you were going to get out of some of the linemen. I, I think it's going to be a much improved line, but we got to move on in conversation. I know your time's a little limited tonight, but uh, I'm good, man. We're good. All right. Well, the Bengals also brought back BJ Hill, Clark Harris, both Mike Thomases. Both Mike and Michael, uh, Josh, Josh Tupo, uh, Brandon Allen, Eli Apple, Trenton Irwin, and Stanley Morgan. So, is there anybody that they didn't bring back that you wish they would have? Is there? Any, I mean, who who do you think is the guys they brought back? Who who do you think is the biggest impact guy there? And is there anybody else that you feel like from what we've done so far? Is there anybody else that they should be targeting here still in free agency? Uh, biggest impact of the guys that were on the team last year that they that they brought back def, to me is definitely B.J. Hill. 
Uh, he's going to move into that starting three technique role um, and played super well when he had his chances. We'll see what, you know, more snaps doesn't necessarily mean more production, but again, young guy made him made an impact. You know, we'll, we'll see what, what that does in, in another year in, in their system. Um, Did you see what he said when he got resigned? What? Just about he, like, I want to come back here running around his house, screaming who day for oh, like yeah, an hour. Yeah. And just like, just so I enjoy happy. his, I enjoy his little, you know, back and forth with Jermaine Pratt. They, they, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that stuff's funny. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, that's the other new thing that we aren't really used to is no guys wanting to, to be here, whether it's an outside free agent or a guy, you know, saying someone could have offered him more money and he would have, he would have rather come back here. It's, you know, they really do have it going on from a, from a player, you know, the, the word culture gets thrown around a lot and I think that it is overused at times, but like you can really tell that like, it's not BS with these guys. Like they enjoy playing for Zach. They enjoy playing for these coaches. They enjoy the way that the system as a whole uh, has been put together. I mean, you got a guy, you got a guy like Kappa, who is, a, you know, argue, is blocking for arguably the greatest quarterback to play the game, who decides he's coming back out of, you know, and, and you can't tell me that he didn't make some phone calls there, you know, before that. And he's like, yeah, I, I think I want to go up there and, and play in Cincinnati, you know, where it's not. Tampa, where sure. warm all the time. Like, I want to go up there. I want to be a part of that. I want to head up there. And then you got, you know, Joe's bringing all of the, all those free agent signings. He brings them all over and then brings Collins over, like, let's be a part of this. The tax like, implications were enormous for him. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming out of Florida. Out of Florida? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Although I'm sure they probably pay this, like, do the same kind of stuff that what, like, professional baseball players do you know where they got to pay taxes in every state they play in and all that kind of nonsense for sure what what a what a trade that ended up being though going back to bj hill just oh. billy price for bj hill <laughs> and a pick right unreal like, i mean it's a seventh rounder but still like billy price was not in your plans at all no and you were able to get a quality player who gave you legit production and then you re-sign to an extension and then you get a you get a draft pick on top of it but uh i would like from what you asked earlier i would like and they might still at some point uh i would like them to re-sign trey flowers also agreed i thought he was a unique piece especially against the tight ends that you know we see as a bigger uh, I guess you'd call him a DB linebacker-ish type player. He's not, he's not an outside guy, but I thought, especially in the AFC Championship game, he did a good job uh, matching up with Kelsey. Yeah. So he, he I shuts think, down tight ends, and I, I think, think that he's that's... a guy that has a unique role. And you know, I would like to see them, you know, be able to find a way to bring him back. I think it's crazy that he was misused so badly in Seattle where he wasn't lined up on tight ends. So 
I, I think that that's a huge move. They're able to bring him back to be able to be on some of these bigger guys, especially in this division where you have David and Joku, where you have um, Mark Andrews. Yeah, Mark Andrews. I don't even know who Pittsburgh has. That's where I was struggling. Pat Fryer uh, move. Yeah, Stop making up names, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, not, I'm still kind of looking at him as, as a jag. You know, I mean, I don't know that he's anything more than than just a guy as far as that goes. But yeah, I mean, they want you. We'll see what happens with Ben gone. I mean, they want him. I mean, he right. was their second round pick last year. They want to feature him, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if they end up doing anything with, I know that they've been tied to Stefan Gilmore. I know they've been tied to honey badger. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's any of that is real. Those, just, those moves do not like, if you hold those moves up to what they've done the last three years, when they've finally gotten active in free agency, like those would be such, I, isolated moves and maybe they do maybe they feel they're the market and the guys haven't signed i don't think right tyron matthews in any hurry I, I can't speak to to gilmore um but just like those type of veteran players who have been really good are still going to command significant dollars and they just and i i believe in i believe rightly they're just not paying guys third and fourth contracts and guys that are in their thirties. Um, I just, I think they just look at that as, you know, not a waste of money, but a too big of a risk um, to sign outside free agents at that stage in their career when they are going to command, you know, like even if you, even if Stefan Gilmore takes a one year deal, it's going to be, like seven. I can't imagine it's less than ten million dollars. Right, like seven, eight, nine. Oh, yeah, that would be. I mean, if that would to me would blow me away if he if he took something like under ten. Be, even, I, on I think, a, even on a one year deal. I think that'd be a true testament that players just want to be here with Joe at that point. At that point, sure, but like, there's a there must be. A, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you would think he'd have already been signed, but like, I don't. It just seems that seems so off off the beaten path of what they've been doing recently. That it'd, be it, a, it'd be a true evolution of, of the Cincinnati Bengals at that point, man. Well, the, the, yeah, the true, the, the true evolution and the, and the, the move that would floor me the most is if they traded a draft pick strict, like draft pick for a player. Cause that's something they've li- they literally have never done. I mean, they hold draft capital as close to their chest is about anybody and tr- just giving away a draft pick for a player, not even like the Cordy Glenn thing where it was a pick swap. They didn't actually lose a draft pick when they traded for Cordy Glenn. That to me would signal like someone else is running the organization. So last question on free agency before we move on to the draft. Um, and I, I promise. Uh, oh, no <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, they, they, had Quentin Spain, who's still a free agent. He's not signed anywhere yet. They had Riley Reif, who I believe is also still a free agent, hasn't signed anywhere yet. Do you think they bring any of these guys back just to have another guy in the locker room going into this, like going into the, like in the camp and, and all of that? Or do you think that they hold off on bringing in a veteran and see what they got um, with the draft before they make any of those moves? Uh, I don't, I don't see 
Reef coming back, I mean, the Collins move kind of took care of that. Um, Quentin Spain, I, I, I kind of look, you know, I see it both ways. Like, he's an older player and definitely uh, got worse as the season went on. At the same time, I'm still not comfortable – even with the offensive line moves that they made, I would be more comfortable if they brought him back and just in a battle royale situation for left guard and not just said, we're going to let Jackson Carmen, right. Deontay Smith, and maybe a draft pick battle it out. Like, I, I still feel like if Quentin Spain wins the job, okay. If Jackson Carmen wins the job, okay. But like that just having the veteran guy there and, and who knows with, with a better unit all the way around, does that make, does that help Jackson Carmen? Does that help Deontay Smith? Personally, I did not like moving Jackson Carmen to the right side. I would I was gonna say that moves him back to his, his, I would have, you know, but again, you, you can, you need to do what you need to do, but I just felt like, you take a guy that had been a left tackle his entire life and you move him to right guard with a dog shit right tackle next to him. Like, <laughs> I don't know how much you sh- would expect him to like perform at a high level. So you move him back to the left side. You got Jonah Williams next to him. You got Ted Karras next to him. Maybe that helps, but I still would like that even if it's Quentin Spain, who's on the tail end of his career, I still like that that guy that's been there. And, you know, if the worst case scenario, he wins the job, then you've got five vets on your offensive line. And you're not giving up on Jackson Carmen if that's the case, but you need to play your best guys. I guess my biggest concern is just not knowing if there was an injury, what the hell we're going to do with this line. Well, you know so- there's going to be – exactly. You know there's going to be an injury. Right, so that, I guess that's where I'm, I want somebody who can uh, can play a backup tackle or swing guard if need be. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure that's you know the wish, the dream, and maybe you find that in the draft. Maybe you still find that in that late after free after uh, yeah, it, after it, the draft free agency. Like, it seems like free agency this year. The whole like second third wave is like super slow this yeah. year. Like there are a lot of, I mean, maybe not for the Bengals specifically, but like there's still a lot of quality players available. And I think at this point, teams have just, they've signed the guys they wanted to sign Mm -hmm. and now they're focused on the draft. Yep. And those free agents are probably not going to take a deal right now because any deal that you're taking at this point, if you're, you know, a PFF top 100 or an NFL.com top 100 free agent, it's probably not going to be to your liking. So you wait till after the draft to see who missed out on, right. you know, a position or player that, that they needed. But it's just, it's, a, it's a, it's, to me, it's felt a little, a little weird in that there's just, it still seems like a, a lot of guys that if they flash up on Twitter as signing, people be like, oh, I didn't realize that guy hadn't signed yet. He's still a, a quality player. And that gets us to the draft where the Bengals are going to be picking this year. At number thirty-one, I don't know if the- I can. I don't know if I can make it that long. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Having well, that's been... because they're gonna they're gonna trade all of their draft picks to move up to number one and take Matt Ariza. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were gonna say Sauce Gardner. I, uh, I, I'd that, be okay with that. that that would be that would make a little more sense than trading all the way up to take a punter. But that's been like taking oh, a punter, God. right? Punt God has been uh, yeah, hot topic. I definitely can't do my draft drinking game. There's no way I could make it to the thirty first pick. So. <laughs> So, I'm sure you've been doing your mock drafts, if I know you the way I think I do. So, what is your mock draft website of choice? Is it PFF? I, I, I like the PFF draft mock draft simulator the most. What, what are your pros and cons for the PFF mock simulator? Oh, God, I don't even know if I have any. I haven't done a I, do, pro and con list. Um, do, you, do you think they update as much as they should? Because I think that's been my biggest concern, like, well, right now, for some reason, on my phone, it, it I can hardly ever get through like a uh, a full one where it, where it actually completes. So I don't know if that's my phone thing or that or their thing, but um, I I just think the 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 way that it's set up, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it, the interface or the yeah. the, desi- the design of it is very simple. Yes, very clean. Like it's just very easy to use, and it go you can make it go real fast and. It, you know, I just like it from the con- from the convenience standpoint, and I don't mess around with any of the settings like changing team need to to a higher or lower level. Right. Like I just do it the way they have it set up. I mean, that, I'm not trying to game the system or anything, or you know, make certain players and end up in certain spots. But I know there's other sites that you know that have them. I just always end up going to theirs. So what are what are your odds right now on the Bengals trading up in this draft? Zero percent. Same. <laughs> what about what about trading out of the thirty first spot? I mean, I think that to go backwards. I think that's definitely a possibility. I think obviously that'll have to do with you know who's on the board when they pick. From their standpoint, like, do we have a guy that was we had rated fifteenth that is still there? If that's the case, then they shouldn't trade out. I mean, you're getting. I know, you know. I, I believe this is kind of the, the league wide thing. But there's like one A, one B, one C. They kind of break up the rounds when they grade players into, into three tiers. So if you're getting a, a high one B, almost a one A player at 31, you should take him. Um, if all of those guys, if all your one Bs are gone, and someone wants to move up because for whatever reason, the quarterback is still there and they want to get that fifth year on option, then sure. Like, the, I mean, the second round Bengals trade down is about as for sure a thing as you can bank on lately with them in the draft. So they are obviously willing to trade down. Uh, it's just a matter of how far and what, what that cluster of players is at 31. How many of those guys are still going to be there wherever this trade down opportunity is. So who have you been targeting at 31 as far as wish list? Oh, Dave Simone. I think corner hits them. Well, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people won't see it as a huge need, but I think edge Hits them well. It's a very, very good edge class. 
And while we're excited about the like six snaps that Joseph Osai played in Tampa, they don't have any like really any other impact guys in the edge group right now. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be, you know, you have eight picks. I won't say heavy, but now that they've done what they've done with the offensive line, I wouldn't be surprised if outside of tight end that the first three or four picks aren't defense. I agree. Cause they kind of need to flip what they've done the last couple of years where they've added vets in free agency on defense and attacked the offense with the draft with Burrow and Chase and Higgins. They need to flip that and start supplementing some younger guys in the defense because some of these defensive guys, they're probably not going to resign because they get into that third contract, 30 year old range that they haven't signed outside free agents. Now maybe it'll be different because it's their, their own guy, but corner, obviously like, I'm not a Eli Apple hater, but he's he should be your fourth corner. And if he's Trey not Wayne, your future. if Trey Waynes doesn't get hurt, he is your fourth corner. Right. But he he should be your fourth corner, and he's a fine fourth corner. He's not an he's not your second guy. So corner, I said edge. They need a backup three technique. There's hardly any in this draft, so that will be interesting to see how they attack that. Um. But those are kind of my corner and edge. Mm-hmm. Unless something goofy happens, it has kind of been where I have been looking the most. With like a Zion or right. I mean, a it, if, it, if the Zion Johnson or Tyler Linderbaum somehow makes it to thirty-one, I think both of those guys would be incredibly hard to pass up. Yeah, the Linderbaum one is interesting just because he's very, very scheme specific and undersized. So is that what you want? Would you, you know, if you did that, then you're moving Ted Karras to the guard position, which he actually is graded quite well at guard. But do you want a 6'2", under 300 pound, short armed center that is super athletic and very physical and and does not deserve any, you know, if Bengal fans are looking at him the same way that, as Billy Price, I don't think that's fair. Um, but, you know, you're in a division with that runs a lot of three-man fronts and massive nose tackles, and do you want a 295-pound, you know, Jason Kelsey move-type center? So, I mean, he could very well be there. Um, it'll, you know, be interesting if he is. But agreed. Well, Chad wants you to explain the draft drinking game in the comments. So, oh, yeah. okay. So, the draft drinking game. <laughs> so, usually you get a, a, a group of friends together and you draw numbers. Say there's 10 people playing, you draw numbers one through 10. Say I draw number one, that means I get pick one, I get pick 11. And so on. From the time the commissioner goes up on the stage to announce that it's so-and-so's pick, you drink four or five ounces of beer. You have to finish that by the time he comes up to give the pick. 
So I have the first pick. I, I say the Jaguars are going to draft Aiden Hutchinson. If they draft Aiden Hutchinson, I get to give out a shot to someone else playing the game. Now, usually this is not a shot of like straight whiskey or, you know, you make something to make it you know, more more palatable so you can get through the whole draft. Uh, so, okay. so you can make it past the first right. five picks? So the first, <laughs> right. If I get it wrong, I have to take the shot myself. Now, do you have like a, a bartender who's who's creating these? No, you, know, you like... usually would make like a big picture of, of some, you know, something that you would take at a at a college bar. Just, I, I was going to say like Washington apples. Yeah, or like something. Buttery yeah, nipple. Lemon, or... lemon drop, something yeah. like that. <laughs> but it gets, it gets interesting when you're at like pick 13 and 14 when basically no one is ever getting these right. <laughs> and you're taking the shot and you're still having to drink your beer. In, so like sometimes the team takes the full time, but other times you have only have a couple minutes to to drink it, and then you're still, you know, obviously casually drinking as you go on as well. But uh, yeah, there is like there is no way anybody is making it to pick pick thirty one. Um, well, you'll know on you know on Saturday morning who the Bengals picked. <laughs> so do you, is is this something that you only do for the first round? Yeah. Oh, do you, oh, do you yeah. reinvite over for other rounds? <laughs> no, no, and and then people are just looking down to see who Mel Kuyper has as his yeah, top there, guy available. No and they're like, I mean, you're you're yeah. doing that. You're doing that anyway. From from after the first, once the first pick goes totally off the rails, like you know, when you get the first pick that no one expected, and then it's it makes everybody else, you know, all the other teams kind of have to reset or whatever. Um, yeah, it gets it gets wild. Like the year when the Bengals drafted Burrow, obviously I you know that was the first pick, and we were all excited. I just started drinking champagne uh, <laughs> from that point on, and I don't even remember like playing the game. We because we were it was obviously during COVID. We had a, a whole group doing it through Zoom. There was like twelve of us all yes. <laughs> all playing through Zoom and. And I'm just sitting there just drinking champagne right out of the bottle the whole time. Like, well done. That's awesome. You even continued it on Zoom. Oh, yeah. But uh, I do want to mention Jeffrey's point in the comments about safety. That is a sneaky one because that'll, I think that might tell you a lot about what the Jesse Bates situation is because there are some single high safeties. Lewis Seen from Georgia, Dax Hill from Michigan. If they take one of those guys at 31, you can basically, you know, figure out what's going on with Jesse Bates. Do you think they keep Jesse through the season, though, on that franchise tag, or do they try and trade him thereafter? Good question. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, is he more inclined to sign the deal? Well, I guess it also, it also kind of depends on which safety spot it is, right? Because you also have Bell coming yeah, up Bob on it. Von Bell's going in the last year of his deal. These guys right. would be more of the Jesse Bates type. Okay. Um, later on, your Brian Cook, Nick Cross from Maryland, Kirby Joseph from Illinois. I think those guys are more in the Von Bell category. So you gave us what you thought about the Bengals. And real quick before we get you out of here, because I know we kept you a little later than we thought we would. Rapid fire. Tell me what round you think they're going in. Although I think I have a pretty good idea All right. just from just from being with you over on the BCJ pod. But we'll get it for our, 
our viewers here as well. Uh, so Desmond Ritter. Uh, one. First round? Okay. I feel, I feel I'm starting to feel better about Des in one. As far as that goes, the uh, Austin uh, Austin Gale yeah. BFF guy. Yep. He he's got him as his only tier one quarterback available in the draft. I saw that. Love it. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt that he also worked for Bearcat Journal. So. <laughs> well, no. Hey. <laughs> no big deal. Um, I, I don't even have to ask Sauce. We all know he's. Uh, but, yeah. but do you think I, he's. Here, not- here's my one on Sauce, though. If he gets past the Giants at seven, I will be surprised. I was going to say, do you think he's top five or top 10? If he gets past the Giants at seven, I'll be surprised. Okay. Okay. Um, Jerome Ford. You know, that running backs are so hard. Um, That's what she said. I'll say, yeah. <laughs> I'll say fifth. Okay. Alec Pierce. Three. Darian Beavers. Two. Um, who am I missing here, Jeff? Oh, Kobe Bryant. Kobe, uh, he's a tough one for me. Um, I'll go four. Okay. Did you do That's, Brian Cook? I didn't do Brian Cook. Cook, I'll say three. That's seven. My J. yes. Four. And do you think uh, our boy Curtis Brooks gets drafted? No, unfortunately. No. I don't. So of those eight... Or nine, if you want to include Curtis Brooks. Do any end up in stripes? That's such a hard one, too. Um, I'll say no, just because, you know, you have eight picks. It's got to obviously match up. But um, I would like to see Brian Cook. <clears throat> if I, I could agree. pick, if I could, obviously taking Sauce out of the equation, If if they could pick a player from UC that fits what they want, what their need might be, and where it might match up in the draft, Cook would be that guy for me. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw uh, guys coming in, even on a on a short workout, like a, a Brooks, like a DeBlanco, um, with the Bengals. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll be, they'll be those guys will be uh, non, you know, undrafted free agents. Yeah. Which – is almost better than getting drafted in the seventh round. Because you're not you have, slotted with a, a certain dollar more, amount. You have more teams fighting for you. Right. And you can pick whether you want to go somewhere because they're giving you a big signing bonus or you go somewhere because they don't have very many bodies at your position where if you get drafted, you're just, you know, you're beholden to, to that team. All right. Well, anything else you want to say about the, uh, the off season here for the Bengals? As we have you here, or are we just getting you out of here? I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. Cool. Well, we do thanks, appreciate thanks your time. for having me on. Hold on, I, hold on. I, I do have, I, oh. I do want to address the 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 punter situation. Do you okay. think like everybody there? Because it has been, it, like I think Jake Liskow has probably like muted any mentioning <laughs> of Ariza on Twitter. Like, and, and it doesn't have to be him. But do you think that the Bengals target either? a punter through the draft or try to pick one up, uh, you know, undrafted um, to bring him in. I do not think they'll draft one. I, I'm huge punt God fan too. I mean, how can you not want him and Evan McPherson on the same team? But, and it, it 
sounds silly to say this, but like he doesn't hold because he also kicked at San Diego State. So I don't know who their holder would be if they drafted him and he won the job over Drew Chrisman, who I assume can hold. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know. Can Brandon Allen hold? No idea. Well, Pat McAfee Brand- lied about being able to hold when he got drafted. <laughs> that's probably one of the best stories ever. It's on his podcast, on one of his episodes of the podcast. He lied about it. And then some guy that beat him out at uh, at Penn State, whenever he was getting recruited by Penn State, he got, you know, beat out for the, the recruiting spot for the scholarship by a left-footed kicker who he then had to hold for when he came in uh, into like a, a camp for the, the Colts. <laughs> and he was like, not only could I not hold very well for a normal right-footed kicker, I certainly couldn't hold for a left-footed kicker. And this guy that beat me out for a scholarship, I'm holding for him. And he missed like seven to 10 kicks and never saw him again. Yeah, I just like, I think that gets... I mean, we don't look at look at it that way from a fan perspective, but coaches obviously do. Um, so I, I don't think – I mean, they might bring someone else in if they don't end up re-signing Kevin Huber and having a, a competition between him and Chrisman. Like, I could see Huber retiring. I mean, he's had an unbelievable career and going out, you know, going out with a – Super Bowl appearance. Um, so, but, I mean, you're, if if he does retire, then they're definitely going to bring somebody else in. I don't, I don't imagine they just hand the job straight to Drew Christman. Drew Christman. My um, my my favorite Kevin Huber, Huber story that I have is seeing him at a UC basketball game in the upper bowl. I looked at him. I said, Kevin Huber. He turns around. He said, Yeah. So, what the hell are you doing up here? <laughs> He just walked away. He's a, he's a man of the people. He just walked away from me. <laughs> he's probably like this. This guy is the only guy that recognized me. I was, I think. I, I totally think I was, but that's he goes up there so he can be nondescript. And I, I guess Aaron had been drinking at the game the whole time. No, before the game. He thought he before, thought to himself, "This is for the I, game." He thought to himself, "This is how I landed my job with BCJ." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Kevin Huber's got a company that he'll hire me on with. That's right. Oh, man. Well, uh, we do thank you very much for your time, Dave. You were more than generous as we kept you a little later than maybe you wanted to be. I know you like to go to bed early, get that beauty rest, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I I need all of that I can get. Well, we'll have to have you back on after the draft, and you can break down the picks as you see them fit, and uh, we'll go from there, man. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate it. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. That was fun. Little little crossover good. from from BCJ. We can hold his feet to the fire after the draft to see how <laughs> accurate he was. And, we'll have uh, to go back down and write write him down. I I didn't keep track. I mean, I, I didn't either, and I thought about it, but then I was like, yeah, it's a video. We just go back and watch him later. Yeah. See how well he did. Well, and if we'll he have... missed, if he missed on him, he has to have whatever drink in front of him, and he has oh. to take shots. And since he's not here to defend himself and say no, I just There's... locked him into that. Sorry, Dems Dave. the rules. Um, <laughs> rules. We'll, we'll have to have Ed uh, as homework since he wasn't here to join us go back and clip that it should be somewhere between the 45 and 50 minute mark uh, so that, that should tell us where those those rapid fire were um, so yeah 
That's your homework, Absolutely. Ed. I know you're here with us, as apparently your entire family is. Good yeah, because somebody, somebody's over here talking about big news in Cincinnati. There wasn't. Uh, there was uh, a small blip of news from Norwood uh, tonight. So We don't cover know, Norwood. If you know a Nor, if you know a, a Norwood sports show, this I'm is sure a, they'll cover it. Right, this is a Cincinnati sports show, not Norwood. Get out of here. And Andy Dalton did sign uh, with the Saints, which is, you know, I mean, I like Andy Dalton, and I wish him yeah. well wherever he goes. Like, you know, he uh, is what it is. Um, sure, he's got a shot to be a starter he, again, he, which he, I, he that's all he wants. Playoffs. He took us to the playoffs several times, so like, yeah. That's all the guy wants is just a shot at being a starter again. Right now, yep. he's got a shot at being a starter again. Good for him. Ed's chilling with Mickey Mouse. Yeah, we made that joke earlier, Bill. But oh, I should have I should have got the picture that Ed posted of him uh, with the uh, with the alligator where he looked absolutely frightened, terrified. But I don't have it. That's a fail on my part. My bad. Yep. So, anything else you want to add on on the Bengals stuff? I think. I mean, I think we covered it pretty well, but I don't know if you had any additional comments as far as, I mean, I would, I would love to see them bring in a honey badger or a Stefan Gilmore. I don't think that the Bengals, as much as we talked about, this is going to be the year that we see all these guys come just to be around Joe Burrow. I don't think the sustainability of this team is, is quite there yet where we're going to see guys coming at a discount. We're going to see guys yeah. coming just to be here. And do it a couple of years, especially with, with the AFC where it's at right now. Jesus. Good Lord. Um, but I, I think you, you see it in, in like a couple spots, right? Like you see it in some of these free agent signings with like, um, with Collins, you know, it's like I'm, I'm your bodyguards here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and then you got, you got so Kappa. is every other LSU tiger, by the way. Right. You, you got Kappa who's like, yeah, I, I could, you know, play another year here. And of course now there's all these rumors that like, Tom Brady's going to go demand a trade to the Dolphins or whatever. Um, it's like, it doesn't make sense in my head, but who knows? Like him coming back didn't really make sense either. He figured he would have just unfinished business. Sure. Yeah. Guy. Right. Unfinished business. I need my 87th Super Bowl ring. Like get out of here. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. You, you see it in, in those kind of like the players who were like directly connected to Joe, right? Like, Maybe you'd see it if they needed a wide receiver, which obviously they don't, uh, because they had the the ability to let Auden Tate leave uh, and go down to uh, Atlanta. Which, by the so, way, is he is he now Atlanta's best receiver? W R one probably, which is um, crazy. Yeah, and then and uh, Bill mentioned over here Hayden Hurst. That, that's a sneaky good signing. I to to be fair, I had no idea who he was until we signed him and then I went and looked and I knew I, I he, like it. I knew like, who it he, fills. I knew who he was only because when Baltimore drafted him, he was like twenty seven years old because he went in the baseball draft prior to Oh really? I did not know that. That's why he was so old entering the draft. So he's he's for only being his I believe fifth season, uh he's he went old. From, I did see like when he was in Baltimore yeah twenty six, twenty seven when he was first came into the league. He lined up at uh they, they ran him at fullback uh a few times like mm -hmm. he was you know and that's that's something like you think about it like Real I can't bad. even remember like a time when the Bengals lined up with like a fullback that wasn't like Pecco right right like and I think we we touched on that last week Lorenzo so, Neal you know, way way back <laughs> way, in the day way back um so like 
you know, you, you've got him. Uh, and I do think he's a, a sneaky good signing. Like, I think it at four million. Will, yeah. Well, I, I think, and I think he fills in the, the Uzama hole on the field. I think um, you'd be crazy if you think that the Bengals at some point around maybe that fourth, fifth round aren't going to take a tight end. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe they will. Like, I mean, it's not, not, maybe not a bad idea. Um, but I think, I think, you know, Hurst fills the Uzama spot on the field. Sure. Um, you, you're not going to fill that, that locker room uh, guy uh, through free agency. Uh, I'm sure somebody else in the locker room will probably step up as the uh, as the hype man. There are plenty of plenty of guys that can do that. There's lots of personalities um, in that room. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was kind of getting at. Is there a lot of personalities there that they can use for that? So uh, excited to see what the the draft brings us. Yes. Um, maybe we'll probably likely have a pre-draft show maybe the week before so depending on how we can yeah. line things up but you know kind of kind of in the theme of last year how we did and if you're interested you go back and watch those because we were pretty spot on last year should be fun it should be fun so moving on switching gears a little bit of a little bit of reds talk oh, God. so it's been a wild wild ride here through these these first couple of weeks I mean, we, we, we had Clay on, and we talked about all of the moves that the the Reds made. Whether you agree with them, whether you disagree with them, they essentially shipped everybody out. Yeah. Everybody who, who was worth a damn anyway that you could actually trade without having to go and talk to the player about no trade clauses and what have you. And they didn't bring back certain guys. They did not, who... As you bring up Nick Castellanos, uh, you saw as soon as his very first at bat after the Will Smith Chris Rock incident, he had a home run. That was the next day. His first hit as a Philly came as the announcers were talking about some guy that had to apologize. A coach, for, yeah, a coach for, on the a, team for a DUI arrest. So I think he, I think he's a Toronto coach, but he was in the stadium. So well, it was a Toronto. It was the Toronto uh, uh, broadcast that was. Oh, was, that, was it? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, on brand, very much on brand. And he, I, I think I saw his brother tweeted out that he's like four for six so far and spring training and multiple, you know, extra base hits. And that home run he hit uh, after the, uh, <laughs> the next day or whatever, after the, the debacle at the, uh, the Golden Globes is Aaron. Whatever. <laughs> that was a monster bomb. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to have him back. <laughs> it just doesn't seem, and we, we've talked about it, it they, don't, they, they don't communicate a clear plan or path, uh, and it doesn't seem like they know. They want to say a lot of words that sound like a plan that when you look at it, none of it makes sense. I well, and we saw we saw a little bit of of, of sneaking behind the curtain, I guess. As I, I think you mentioned it last week, I don't think we actually had the uh, full um, readout of of the actual interview between. Well, Tommy. this ha- this ha- this one happened after. Oh, uh, this is this, this is round yeah, round two. I, and no, I did mention it, but it was in our group chat. It was a couple days after last okay. week that That's happened. So. Uh, but Tommy Thrall interviewed Bob Castellini, 
Is that really peeking behind the curtain, though? You got a guy. That's the and, best you can like, get. I mean, how are you going to get any further behind the curtain than the owner? Granted, the owner's probably giving you a bunch of bullshit. We both know that. I mean, the okay, but like the, it's like he was probably handed all these questions. He probably wrote them and was like, "Here, Tommy, <laughs> His publicist wrote them." Right, like Tommy, ask me these questions, or else I'm going to fire you. Like he, we already know he's a bully of an owner to people who don't, you know talk to him or talk about him or the team the way that he envisions it. Um, well, you have to, it, you have to delve into, a, for those who don't know that story, what do you mean by that? I forget who the, the, the writer was, but it was a writer for the Reds when they were through Fox sports, when they were on, you know, all the Fox sports stuff that was writing, you know, very observations, just, just, an article that put into words on paper what everyone that was a fan of the team and even some people who aren't fans that are looking at it from the outside thought, which is that, you know, the Reds really don't have a plan. They're not building a winning team. All of the things we've been saying. And he went, Bob Castellini went to Fox, was like, get rid of this guy. We can't which have is that. crazy. Like, get rid of that guy. But this goes back into what I was talking about last week as uh, um, David uh, Sampson talks about often is that there are plenty of meddling owners. And you've got to be kidding me if you don't think that this guy is a meddling owner. That I was think- Hal McCoy. How did that slip out of my head? Sorry. <laughs> it was Hal McCoy. How are you going to threaten Hal McCoy? I, I, I don't know. That was before he was with MLB like the MLB network. Yeah. He was with, he was with Fox. Right. Which led to his dismissal from Fox and ended up. Well, Fox just ended up getting rid of all the, all of them. Beat writers and all that. Yeah. Um, so, so he had this interview with Tommy Thrall, which Tommy Thrall, if you don't know who he is, he has been with the Reds organization now for what? Three, three seasons. Yeah. I think he took over for Marty. He was, he was like, he was like tag teaming with Marty during that, like doing like road games or whatever. When during when the goodbye, Marty, the goodbye during, tour. Yeah, during the goodbye tour. I mean, heck, now now you got to wonder, like, did you know, like Marty? Marty definitely left because Bob sucks. <laughs> like, I don't know. Marty's kind of a curmudgeon, man. Okay, he, he, he is, but like, he's one of those guys. Like, he, I mean, he always he tells it like it is, whether it's because he's get off my lawn guy. Right, and that's fine. You can be get off my lawn guy. I grew up with get off my lawn guy and, and the old lefty for my whole life. So, you know, I liked him, but I'm sure he left, and now I realize it because Bob sucks. So Tommy Thrall has this interview with Bob Castellini, and I know you you can find it on MLB.com. Uh, I know you read it. I read it. What were your takeaways after reading this interview? To me, it's, and we've talked about this before too, that Nick, so like Nick Crawl sucks at PR. Yes. And, and now it just seems Clearly like Castellini it, doesn't share the same PR guy as Nick Crawl, right? Well, I mean, as much, as much as like you look at this and you're like, oh man, this is like a really good PR spin on it. No, it's not. Because the things that he's saying are, you know, we're trying to win. 
Like we want to, we want to build a winning franchise here. You've said that since you bought the team that you were going to bring championships here, and it hasn't happened. What Division I titles, okay. We haven't won a, a playoff series. What I didn't like is is basically he's talking about competition, yet at the All Star break, or I'm sorry, at the at the end of uh, at the end of the trade deadline, he did make some moves last year. Granted. Yeah. They were about a month too late to Absolutely. make a difference. Yeah. And, and now stuff we were talking about in real time, like we have a, a, a drastic need for bullpen help. Yeah. And get if, somebody, anybody. If you go, if you go back and look at our shows from July, why would you? Uh, and uh, I mean, you know, you know you, I don't expect anybody to, I'm just referencing. If you go back to those shows at the like end of June, into the All Star break, July, and we're talking about this and talking, and then they finally make these moves and they get you know Sessa and Wilson for next to nothing, and then Michael yeah. Givens from Colorado also well, I, for next to nothing, and it was but it was right up to the border of the trade deadline. Well, which we both know why they do that, right? It's be- because the cost is significantly less at that point in time as opposed to a month prior. Right, and it would have been uh, so. Maybe it cost you a little bit more earlier, to win. But, to win to get to, into the playoffs, and and he like he 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 talks about in this in this interview. Like I'm not going to read it verbatim here, but he talks about how like now you know with the new playoff landscape. Like, see, he, he what he's saying is he doesn't want to build a championship team. No. He wants to build a mediocre team. That can sneak into the playoffs under the new playoff system, win maybe a wild get hot and win a wild card series, and then be like, look at this. You know, maybe one year they get hot and they run through the the playoffs and pull a St. Peter's and get all the way, you know, you know, to the NLCS or something like. In his head, he wants to be Oakland. He wants to be Tampa. He wants to be a team that is spending nothing and putting playoff caliber teams out there. By spending nothing. And it's a shitty way to lead a franchise. You don't have a track record of doing it. I don't think what you're doing right now is doing it. And this bullshit, as I've continued to beat the drum on, I've not backed down on this, is he talks about us being, what, the market, our market size of 29th. Yeah, that he's he's paying up to 19th. Like we're we're ranked nineteenth. He says that they're ranked nineteenth in in payroll, but they're they they rank market size at 29th. So they're. They I think he made up that. I think he made up that number of market size 29th. Because a, if you look at how big the market of the Cincinnati Reds is, it goes into Indiana, it goes into Kentucky, it goes into Tennessee, it goes into West Virginia, it goes all the way up to Columbus. We have a large market size. It's the fact that you don't put out a winning product that no one is coming. I, I don't understand. Like, 700 has one of the biggest broadcast ranges of any radio station in the country. People have talked about being in Texas on a clear day and getting 700. Truckers talk about that all the time. And then he he then he bring brings up what uh, what Aaron loves to talk about, which was from the COVID year into 2021, crying poor. Oh, and saying, oh, 
after all of these, after, you know, the substantial financial losses that we felt after putting a playoff contending team on the field, we we only reduced payroll by ten percent. If you lost so the much money, we re- the team. Right, and that that's my thing. Is like he talks about all because you know, he didn't lose money. He's still finishing the green. It, and, and you know what? If you didn't open your books up, show everybody. This is how much. This is what we had. Like we lost all of it. It's all bad. Like you know, the the players are eating you know <laughs> grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup in the locker room because that's all we can give them. And you know, man, I'd be he so talks about if- being good stewards of this franchise, and and they they simply aren't. He talks about having all these guys in the. That uh, the ownership group only consists of people with strong ties to the city of Cincinnati. My partners and I are proud stewards of this franchise. Are you continue to return? And then here, here you go. This is the other line. I don't like we, we will continue to return all the financial support we receive from our fans, business partners and MLB back into the reds. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, Bob walk outside the stadium, just on the street. You might get hit with a tomato. People hate you, it, and it, it's it is not it is it is not going to happen. But if opening day was a dud this year well, on April twelfth, it's, it's not in Cincinnati. No, no, I mean, I mean, our open like when they do open opening day here, which is April twelfth, five days after they Tr- open in trash in Atlanta on opening night, they did get moved to ESPN two into like. For what? At, at, at 8 p.m. against the Braves. And you know what? Here's the thing. This is what sucks. Is like, I, I I would love, I would love for this group of players that are wearing reds across their chest to totally, you know, step on my throat here and win a bunch of games and make the playoffs and, you know, be a great team. And if they do that, it is not because Bob Castellini and Nick Crawl are doing everything they can to put a winning team together. It's simply because the players that are on the team, you know, overachieve. It's maddening, is what. And it then is. Jeff Jeff Inman over here in the in the chat says he hopes Miley no hits us. And I I said after he went and signed with the Cubs that he was going to no hit us in the Field of Dreams game. So. I hope they take us out of the Field of Dreams game and put another team. I was going to say, we talked about that too. Put another team that's more deserving because Bob doesn't deserve that money. And and then there was another article that was written today, and it was on, I believe, on Cincinnati.com. Let me see if I. It was on Local 12. It was on Local 12. Um, Richard Skinner. Castellini's PR spin is as discombobulated as his tenure as Red's owner. And he essentially, you know, goes, goes through and breaks down the, the, uh, the interview as well uh, with his own thoughts. And, you know, he, he's hitting a lot of the same things that we, we mentioned today in his article. Um, But it's another, another one to look at and realize that, you know, we're probably not going to see this sustained success. It's like, weird plan and if you that do, they don't even really know i mean you, say, you got say, your manager say the, reds, say the reds come out of nowhere right say, say they mm-hmm. win 85 games come out of nowhere 
to win 85 games. It's going to be because you have guys trying to make their first contract. And it's a, going I mean, to they're going to over. They're it, going to win despite the ownership not putting the proper pieces around them. I mean, last year they, it, that kind of happened. Yeah, right? like they, yeah. they overachieved. Like you had this this team that was like the island of toys, and all they needed all they needed were a couple pieces out in the pen, and then that didn't happen. And then you end up with like, what was it Winker was hurt for you know a little okay. bit and. It's just, it, it's, I don't know how he can, I mean, I know how he can sleep at night because he looks at his bank account um, and sees how healthy it is. But to say that they're proud stewards of this franchise and then, and then to say like, oh, but you know, we're the small, this is almost the smallest market in the MLB. Hey, they put a spending, second, the second smallest market. Are you kidding me? But we're no. spending above it. No, get out of here. Yeah. You know, you're a, um, you're a liar. You made up your own. You made up your own statistics. You, you num- your own numbers. Uh, and, and as much as I would enjoy sitting here and continuing to bash on Bob like we have for the last three weeks, um, that. yeah, that's true. Uh, they did get their uh, player to be named later uh, from the Jesse Winker Suarez trade, and that was a uh, a pitcher from Mariners. Connor Phillips. Um, he's kind of a high risk, high reward guy. I think straight from the their scouting of him, uh, he kind of looks like he might be able to be a reliever eventually when he makes it. Um, makes the big leagues. He's got like a mid nineties fastball, uh, pretty decent movement on his on his uh, curveball. Apparently, he's got some command issues. He had like a almost a fourteen percent walk rate. Uh, We'll see. I mean, maybe he turns into something good. He slots in. I think, uh, uh, from what I was looking, I think he's going to slot in probably about 14th on the prospect list of the Reds. So could be decent. Uh, I just thought when they, you know, they were hyping it up and it's another pitcher seemed kind of, I guess having too much pitching isn't, isn't a bad thing. So maybe he ends up panning out and is really good, but like they took a lot of you know they the kid that they got um in the sunny sunny gray trade he was another you know another young guy like 18 years old with potential high ceiling but we all know that you know baseball draft picks with high ceilings still kind of a crapshoot it's not the same thing as the nfl draft so very rarely do you get a guy that is able to come in and impact your team right away yeah, I don't know. I think the the guy that is the player to be named later, uh, I think he ends up. What was his name again? I'm sorry, Connor Phillips. Thank you. Um, looking at the rankings that he is, he's a high risk, high re- high reward player, and mm-hmm. if he pans out, you just got a steal of of a trade. Honestly, unfortunately, uh, Clay Clay ranks him as a damn good prospect for a player to be named later. <laughs> Well, he's number fifteen and was number fifteen in the uh, the Mariners' uh, farm system. And yeah. considering uh, prior to the trade, I don't know that their team wasn't a large majority of farm system players <laughs> in the bigs anyway. Yeah. But they they made uh, that's another team that made a great move last year for a bunch of guys that were not really players that you knew. 
I don't know. Everything I'm looking up, I, I'm I'm a little distracted right now because I looked up MLB market size 2022. <laughs> and are you, are you about to call out Bob Castellini? Nothing says 29. Where are you getting these numbers from, dude? I just don't understand. Is the market based on how many people are watching the game? Because if they're not watching, I can't imagine why. Does that count all of the uh, all of the pirated streams? Because the only way you can watch the Reds here is on Bally Sports. I don't know. That dude's an asshole. I said I, just, it. I don't know. Like like we've said plenty of times, the the plan. You know, if they would come out and have like a a plan in place and explain it and not seem like okay, we are going to do this fire sale, rebuild, start over, you know, hit the reset button. And then we saw some fan backlash. So let's go get some guys that have like names people recognize. And so like a Tommy fam, like go get that guy. And, you know, Mike Miner, who I think started his career, like when I was born, like. I cracked the code. I found out how they're, how they're ranking it. At least this is this is major pro speed major pro sports teams ranked by market size from 2021. Okay. Mm-hmm. And who's We're, doing this ranking? Uh, this is from sportsmediawatch.com. Okay. Uh, the Reds are number the 24th team actually, and the the market is based on homes in the market. Okay. Yeah. Cincinnati is the. 36th city with a pro team not just baseball uh but in this particular ranking again this is 2021 i can't imagine housing market has blown up since a year ago uh it's saying that there's only 926,000 homes and i can't believe that to be true i don't know what they're basing the market on are you basing it on on just the city limits probably which is a farce base it on the tv market right because those are the people that are traveling to watch the team which is why i find a problem with all this shit it doesn't make sense he he ends his he ends the uh the interview by you know saying that they need to rekindle the trust that they have lost with some of the fan base. I think it's all of the fan base. Yes. I mean, they, you've got some guys that are still holding out, but whatever. Um, you know, and he, he now and then he blames again not having Reds Fest in the caravan to share their baseball plans. Guess what, guy? You can go to the news. To Twitter. Matter of fact, Twitter's probably the best spot. Go ahead and just share your plan on Twitter. We don't need the Reds Reds Fest and the Caravan to hear that, you know. So he claims he's read all the emails and texts and social media posts and that it's been difficult for every member of the organization because you know he says in his own words that they have not turned their back on us. Um, so I, I've miscounted because I didn't see the columns that had two teams in one city. So I did miscount. Okay. In this particular one, we are 29. Actually, we are 29. But again, that's based on 926,000 homes in the market, which is just simply that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. Like no. I don't I don't know how they would do that, but 
It's simply not true. The only team below us is the Brewers. Okay, and they're like the best team in our division, so they like spend money in. Unless you're talking about the Cardinals, which are ranked. uh, Actually, it's our whole division, apparently, that's that's real shitty. Because above the Reds, you have the Royals, you have Orioles, you have the Padres, who are spending money like there's no tomorrow. And you have the Pirates and then the Cardinals. So just say, like, it doesn't come down to market size. It comes down to who your owner is and how little amount of money that they have. And if you don't have the money to compete and you want to complain and whine and moan about it. And if you want people in the stands at your stadium buying product, buying merchandise, buying food, buying drink, all that stuff, put a winning product on the field. The days of attracting, you know, huge amounts of fans to stay in your ballpark because you're giving away a bobblehead are likely going to be gone. They're over. They're over. I mean, people might still show up and get a bobblehead, but they're not staying. If you give it away in, like, the seventh inning stretch, but then you have to hire people to walk down the aisles and pass them out. Yeah, and hand it out. Good luck. (laughs) Like, you have to get your tickets stamped on the way out of the game after the seventh inning, and then they'll... they'll Except they're all digital now, Jeff. Oh, that's right. No, too bad. (laughs) You get a digital bobblehead. You get an NFT. (laughs) Yeah, you get an NFT. I I don't know. Like, I I, would be so pissed. (laughs) It 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 hurts me. It hurts me to think about the Reds just like falling into a situation like you know, like the Orioles are in, where we're a storied franchise. It shouldn't be this way. And if you're really like a guess what, if you're if if you're that proud of a steward of this franchise and you don't want to go, you know, put a a highly competitive team on the field, steward the franchise to someone who can. Yes. That's how I feel about it. And I know we've said it before, like, you know, sell the team, Bob. You suck, Bob. Because he does. I, it it just it, and it sucks as like fans. It just to to go into a season where like I I've got some like pretty optimistic friends like that are like always out and I'm usually very optimistic. I'm just not, and it I, I don't know if a lot of that is like looking back and seeing you know, like the best are in the Super Bowl um, and had a very legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, you had the Bearcats do what they did. So expectations have started. Yeah. Expectations start going up. We don't uh, want to have a shitty baseball team that lasts 162 games. You had, you know, you had a a UC basketball team that, you know, didn't necessarily do what we're used to them doing, but there's a plan. There's hope. There, there's a guy there that you know. They're going is, into the Big Twelve. That, They're right? going to have to get better. Like, like they, they literally have to get better. Right. There, there's no other option. I, I don't I don't I know don't, if there's really much more to say about about that. Well, with, the Reds currently stand at six and four in spring training. There is that. We can say but, that. God, um, they're they're gonna make us look stupid, aren't they? At the end of the year. But like I said, if they do it, it's good. not because of owner yeah. Good. But it has nothing to do with ownership. Right. It's because these, these kids go out there and play. And maybe that's maybe that's what we're looking at. I mean, that's what they're saying, like sustainability. They just want, you know teams where Ken Griffey Jr. is not the sixth highest paid player on the team or whatever. So That's not a way to live. 
Uh, I will say we haven't recapped any of this stuff. Um, as far as uh, league leaders, not, not league, team leaders right now, uh, Max Schrock leads the team in hits right now in spring training. Eight hits in his 13 at-bats. Um, Jonathan India leads the team in runs, five runs and 18 at-bats. Sorry, I'm, I'm waiting on, on the, the computer here. Uh, Tyler Stevenson, Donovan Solano, new addition. Uh, he got hurt today. Great. Uh, Brand, Brandon Drury. I, I didn't, I didn't see like how bad, but they did say that he, he, uh, I think he was running the bases. He walked off the field and, um, did not look pleased when he got to the dugout. So Brandon Drury and, uh, Max Schrock all tied at two doubles. Um, notably Solano and Drury. Uh, only had five and eight at bats, whereas the other guys had double digits. Yeah, where's uh, look at um, Aramis, look at Aramis Garcia's stats. I'm getting there. getting there. Max Schrock and Nick Senzel tied at one triple apiece. Hey, maybe a healthy Nick Senzel is like the key to this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe. Aramis Garcia, the catcher. Is he started three games? He's played in five, 13 at bats, batting 308, five runs, tied with India, actually, and also uh, Jake Bowers, by the way, at five runs. Um, also has uh, he has four hits in those 13 at bats, three of them are dingers, eight RBI. pretty good yeah uh, they're saying he's gonna he'll he'll be our uh backup catcher. Our backup catcher um but he uh leads the team in home runs there with three um also in rbi which makes sense um are there any stolen bases let's see uh yeah three stolen bases for jake fraley new addition nice i like that guy we, we talked about how how he's uh He's quite the personality on Twitter. He did get caught stealing once. Uh, apparently, he's also the only person who's tried to steal it all on the team. Uh, no, I take that back. Uh, Ronnie Dawson, Miguel Hernandez, and Matt McLean all had one steal each. Um, but Fraley was the only one who got caught uh, that one time. So, I don't know. Yuck is what I'm expecting for this season. And anything that exceeds yuck is a win i suppose yeah i yeah. will i will also be the guy that is putting myself through the torture of watching it more often than oh. not i mean i'm gonna watch like it's it uh, sucks i like baseball so and I, I love the reds same just you know and if they make me look stupid and you know like i said then great That's that's the thing, though. Like, I'm I'm out in Athens, dude. Athens, Ohio, two and a half hours away. I'm watching on Fox Sports Ohio. I'm in the market. None of this makes sense. Two and a half hours is not crazy to drive to go watch a professional sports game. You know what else doesn't make sense? And actually, I guess it does make a lot more sense now. Is our boy Joey Votto. 
got on the socials. He's on social media. So I'm going to, I don't know how well this is going to translate audio wise. Cause it could be very loud for some of you. If you have headphones in, um, we're, we're working without, without our, our self-proclaimed best producer in the, in the city. So, yeah. So it could, this could end up being very, very loud. Um, so this is his, uh, his like post on Instagram where he kind of welcomed himself to, uh, I don't know, social media. Um, see if I get to play. Hi everyone. It's Joey Votto. For those of you watching this, I just wanted to share that I've decided to join social media. For a while, I've seen it from a distance, but I've been in, too intimidated to join. I feel like I've been pressed against the wall at a dance or at the prom. And I know I love to dance, but, uh, but uh, I just couldn't move my feet. I couldn't move to the center of the dance floor. And so I'm glad to join. And um, I appreciate everyone's support. I'm looking forward to sharing photos and videos and being more social and getting to know more people. Um, I also can't wait to share each and every one of my meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, photos and explanations. No, never. I love, I love Joey. There's no, like, never. Yeah, never. You have his. Never you have, do that. You have his other one. And then, and then, so like that one popped up, and then he like. First off, I'm calling bullshit. There's no way he hasn't had social media. He has not identified himself. He was probably like Joe V one three four nine six two one one nine four six. Yeah, it, it was probably something crazy like that. But then. So his his Instagram handle is just Joey Votto, um, and then he he's got like four posts on there. One is like from the red social media team where he's sitting and yeah you know, he throws the shoe up and goes from whatever to, and then he's got one where he's got a full beard and I I kind of wish he'd go to the, rock the full beard that'd be awesome. Yes. Um, and then and then we have this from from TikTok. Uh, this is the one where it could get really, really loud. And I don't want the world to see me Cause I don't think that they'd understand When everything's made to be broken I just want you to know who I am And I Listen, I'm here for all the Joey Votto content. If he's still going to be here, do it up, man. I don't yeah. know why you waited until 2022 when you've been here for like 20 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> that TikTok, it's like he's just, he's at the dentist's office and he's like, oh, I know. Oh, I'm going to sing. Because he's on laughing gas. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fantastic. And then, he, and then he posts it. So... Joey Votto on social media. I'm all for it. Like, all right, keep it coming. Switching gears one last time. Let's talk a little bit about Bearcats. Jeff, uh, on Bearcat Journal, Chad released his ones and twos today. 
Oh, I haven't been there today. He did drop his ones and twos. Um, right now, believe it or not, Evan Prater and Ben Bryant look to be in quite the, the quarterback battle. I did see he posted the other day. Uh, this is Chad that posted the other that uh, that Evan Prater had a significantly better day on one of the days. Kind of hoping that Chad's still listening to us and and maybe hops in at this point because I I'd kind of like to hear you guys talk about a guy from your high school, the highest rated recruit in all of Cincinnati's history. Evan Prater, who is, he's showing out, man. Mr. Football Ohio. Mr. Football Ohio, that's right. He just got like a, he shared a a thing on his, I don't know if it was on Twitter. Might have been on Facebook, I saw it. I don't remember. Um, They just, they put up like a big, they did a big thing for him at, oh, and look, he's popping in down here soon enough. As soon as his devices connect. (laughs) (laughs) There he is. What you eating on tonight, Chad? Big boss man. <laughs> oh, okay. little, little little queso dip. Okay. It's All right. Tostitos All chips. right. A- I'm man. glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't go just standard Tostitos dip because it's it's not. No, this stuff is really good. There's there's plenty. Well, it's because it's authentic. Yeah, this stuff is really good. I bought it one time to do some barbecue nachos, like nice. to be the cheese on the barbecue nachos. And I tried it and I was like, oh, this is just yeah, like, way better than Tostitos. Yeah, this, no, this is but this is like like just good chips and dip. Like yeah. No, well, so, my point my point is Tostitos puts out their salsa con queso and it's and not good. Not not no, not the chips. Know. I yeah, usually the, go with mission. The the mission chips, yeah, uh, but these were on sale, so I just got the Tostitos. Hey, I get it, man. So, tell tell Jeff a little bit about what's been going on with Evan Prater, as you've seen. And he's and, battling, and, man. Like that's is. he's battling. Like it isn't is. that the whole point? Yeah. <laughs> no, but but you don't know it until you see it, Jeff. Right? Like I, I agree. They brought Ben Bryan in. Ben Bryant has a full season of starting experience. He was the number two to Desmond Ritter for a couple years. He he knows the system. He knows, like, it, it you know, you would expect Ben Bryant to have a, a significant advantage when practice I think we've, started. I, I think we've discussed that on here, that he's got, like you said, he's got a, he had a full year of starting last year. Not here, but he had a full year of playing college football where he right. was QB1. He came up here, essentially used this as, as a place to kind of grow enough to then move on because he he wasn't going to unseat Desmond Ritter. Well, so, he talked today about he hated leaving. Like, he didn't want to leave. Yeah. Well, but, but he you got to do what's best. You got to do what's best for you. Yeah, he had and, to leave. So he has to leave. He, he's now back. And finds himself in, in a, a competition here, which is only going to bring out the best in, in both of them. Right. And my theory has been, from the start, whoever Luke Fickle and his group of 
coaches decide is number one, that's the guy. Like you can't just hand the reins over to somebody because of you know we you're the number one guy we've ever had here as far right. as recruit and your hometown hero and this and this and this. That's all well and good, but if it doesn't work out that you're QB one. There's an so, expectation here for this school, and it, it's not—it's raising. Like, it's, it's not it's to please. Elevating. It's not to please people and stroke egos. It's to win football games, right? And so, if that's Ben Bryant, that's Ben Bryant. If it's yeah, Evan Prater, it's Evan Prater. If it's some other kid that shows up next year, it's that guy, Luther. Here's the thing. This would have been. Very easy for Evan to just bail or take the easy way out, transfer, not compete, not respond. You know what I mean? Like, this is college sports in 2022. This is what guys do. That's that's not anything directed at Evan. That is the reality of the situation of college sports in 2022. There's free agency now. Right. (laughs) So... All it would have taken was them to sit down with Evan and say, look, Ben's coming back. And Evan to be like, nah, man. Uh-uh. I ain't about we've that. We've seen that. We, we we see it all the time. Right. And instead, Evan said, let's let's go compete. Let's, let's go fight for this job. Heisman hopeful Spencer Rattler transferred out. Right. I mean, I mean, there, there is so no limit on this. It worked, it so, worked out pretty well for Joe Burrow. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I'm saying Evan made the decision. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay here and, 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 like, I came here to be the starting quarterback in Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm going to fight to be the starting quarterback in Cincinnati. And you know what he's done? He's done exactly that. Exactly that. Because, Jeff, the first week, (laughs) Ben was really good. And Evan was okay. Week two, it's been advantage Evan. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Is the kid stepped up? He said, I ain't going anywhere. You're not taking this from me. I, I my boots are in the ground. Let's go. I love it. It's been great. So here's a question I haven't asked you yet, Chad, as you <laughs> drop out. <laughs> He, he sounded like he was holding one back, though. Yeah, I, um, I, had, to, I, had, to get, I had to get one out. I get it. Um, is that actually the the biggest battle right now at the one spot, or is there what what would the next the next battle do you think right now? Uh, even though obviously we won't know until running guys, back until everyone's on the field when right. they're not That's when they're not yeah. nursing injuries and everything. But I, I guess what I'm getting at is, I know we talk often about different things, but I, I've not actually asked you like, what's the next closest battle? Running back, I think is is right there. The problem with that being Ryan, the guy that would probably be the number one, yeah, Ryan Montgomery is limited. Um, but I think that's also been a reason why that battle has become what it's become. Sure, but it's hard to assess what that battle has become 
without the guy that's likely the number one sure. guy involved in the battle. Well, but now Miles is involved in the battle where maybe he wouldn't have been. He would have been. He would have been. Like, I, Miles Montgomery, I, I, I've said this many times on the nightcap. I've said it on the board. I, I've said it on the, the, the BBP and the BCJ. He impressed me in the one practice I've been to. I he just he was the most he, impressive back that day. He is a complete back. Like, he's good between the tackles. He's good outside. He's good catching the ball. He's pretty good. Like, at least serviceable in pass protection. Like, how realistic is Steph in that battle, though? Not now. Nah, he's he's got some development. Like he looks good running against the threes, but he's running against the threes because he's sure. a freshman, and that's what freshmen do. Freshmen mm-hmm. run against the threes. Like the, the ability is there for him to be good, but there's still a lot of catching up to do. He has to do the work that Miles Montgomery did last year. Okay, that makes sense. As a registered freshman, and now Miles has put himself in a position. To compete, like I, I did, the eyebrows raised today. I looked, and it was the first team was out there, and there was Miles Montgomery in the backfield. And and sometimes you gotta like uh, you gotta check yourself, and and usually to check myself. Okay, before you wreck yourself. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, yes. I look when I'm <laughs> when I'm trying to figure out, like, are we really looking at ones like the ones? Who's at left tackle, right? Yeah. Like James Tunstall is at left tackle with the ones pretty much every rep. So if I'm looking to see who's like, who's the ones is James Tunstall on the field. If James Tunstall is on the field, I know that's the ones. And there's, there's a couple series where miles Montgomery was with the ones today. And I think they want to get a look like we think this kid is good enough to run with our ones. We might as well use spring practice number eight, right? Like, let's let's get him a couple touches with the ones and see what it looks like. Is there is there a surprise battle anywhere that you've seen that's been like oh, I didn't no. expect that to like start already? Leroy Bowers. <laughs> well, Leroy Bowers in that they did something completely that none of us expected. Right, with Leroy Bowers, they took a linebacker and moved him to nickel cornerback. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. What? That's not that that's not how that like when you're moving guys around, linebacker to nickel cornerback is not the uh that's not the progression. That's not that's not how moving guys around works, right? <laughs> yeah, but right now but right now is the time to like Mess play, with that kind of play stuff. Play with your toys. And say, and well, I yeah, know you mentioned process, it last week. The thought process being, we have Ty Van Fossen and Deshaun Pace at that sniper, dollar, whatever you want to call it, linebacker spot. We have to get Leroy Bowers on the field. We're not going to get him on the field there. So where's the best spot to get him on the field? And the way football keeps changing, you need more guys that can cover and run and play in space because offenses are going like this instead of like this. Um, and it was like, let's get a look. Is there a player of UC's past that you can compare Leroy Bowers to? 
Hmm. Hitting you with the hard hitting questions <laughs> late at night. I don't. Is it, or is I mean, it I, all, all his own, just brand new? So I guess I, I need to see what it looks like in real time, right? Like That's in fair. a game. Yeah, that, that makes um, sense. Could Jarrell have done what they're asking Leroy to do? Probably. Is he bigger, though? Leroy's a little bigger. Not a ton. Leroy's not. He's not tall? Not taller than Jarrell? He's taller than Jarrell, but he's. He, he's listed 6'2", 200. Well, I was going to say. 6'1", 212 is what he's in the in the official guide. So he's a couple inches taller than Jarrell, but I'm talking well, like Jarrell's style of like, play. Jarrell's like what? 5'8", five, 5'10"? Five, Somewhere in there. I, I, I've, we'll split I've the met, difference I've, and call I've, him five nine. I was, was going to say I've met Jarrell. I'm taller than Jarrell. <laughs> right. We'll split the difference and say five nine. Okay. So Leroy's bigger, but I'm talking like in terms of style of play. Like I think if you ask Jarrell to do what they're asking Leroy to do, he probably could have done it. Remember, Jarrell was a safety in high school. Like he was, he was quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man. I was just I curious. I didn't mean to put you no, in a tough spot. No, no, it's a, it's a great question. Like it, it, when you get a question, you have to like cycle through names of the past to think about. That's a tough one. I, I, I think you know who I think could have done what they're asking Bowers to do right now. I think Brian Cook could have done it. Because what people forget is Brian Cook was a corner at Howard. He's also hard enough yeah. to hit like a linebacker. So right, and he's he's got the shot. Like I think he could have. If you'd have wanted him to be like a, here's the other thing. James Wiggins was basically their nickel uh, corner. Well, as soon as you said mm-hmm. Cook, I was like, what about what about Wiggs? Wiggs that was my, that, that was my next year, thought process. The year before he blew out his ACL, he was essentially their nickel corner. And was one of the best, like, nickel defensive backs in the country in the process. So, I guess that's probably the right answer, Aaron, would be Wiggs, like, for what they're trying to ask him to do. But those are two different body types, right? Like. Just just wanted to be able to try and maybe put it into perspective a little bit different than we have as, as we're describing, honestly, what sounds like kind of a new position for this defense yeah i mean ultimately like if you're going to stay in the 335 you've got three defensive linemen you've got two traditional linebackers you've got a linebacker that's a coverage hybrid safety type if you had another one of those onto the field you're essentially running a three four I mean, it gives them the versatility to run either a 3-4 or the 3-3-5, the three, three, or it gives them – I mean, they can still go the 3-2-6. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of different combinations you can run with now. With or, or, with, or with Jaheim. Running a 4-3. A 4-2-5, a 4-3. Yeah. Like, that's that's been, for me – we've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. That's been, for me, the most fun part of the spring is watching them – Tinker. That's five different looks for mm-hmm. this defense. Potentially. With base personnel. Yes. And that's that's where, huge. Where where does a guy like Ivan slide in? So Ivan so far has been the backup to Jaheim. 
Okay. And then when they use Jaheim as a, a rush edge, then Ivan comes in and plays that linebacker spot. So then you're essentially in a, a four, three. Jeff, that was one of my, uh, just real quick. Uh, Jeff, that was one of my observations of Jaheim at the practice. I was at is Jaheim's thicker. He is yeah. definitely thicker than what he was even in January. Um, he, he has filled out his body. He looks good. He looks good for sure. So, uh, that's been the fascinating part on defenses. Like, you know, Luke, Luke is one of those guys and he did this in his time at Ohio state and he's and it's it continued here at UC. He likes to innovate. He likes to see what he can do with different chess pieces, what he can do that nobody else is doing or that gives him, you know, yeah. a schematic advantage. If you can run five different defenses with your base, that's huge. Right. Huge. You just, you just get out there and change it up and say, if a, if a team has to look at your film and try to decipher what's going to happen based on the players that are out there and you line those players up in three, four different and do something looks, different, right. And do something different every time. The, the preparation that goes into that is, you know, astronomical and, you know, puts more of the pressure on them. And I like well, that. Of, co- of course, because teams spend all week trying to figure out what the hell are they going to do? Right. And a lot of that right? is based on person. A lot of that traditionally, and maybe I'm wrong, is based on the no, personnel that you run out sure. on the field. And if you're running these guys out and they're it's starting. Same look. On they're a 3-4 four or a 4-3 or a nickel. or they, I mean, they start in one look, and maybe midway through your snap count, you you look up and guys are in different spots. And oh, yeah. Going, um, uh, time out. <laughs> they're cheating. So, Never mind. So here's what I haven't talked about yet. And this is something I'll probably spend a lot more time in the offseason when we're like, this is my favorite thing about this podcast, though, is you get a little loosey because it's 11 o'clock when you usually come on. And <laughs> I think that's what people are missing about this podcast is the fact that we get we get, we get get a little looser version of chat. Well, I, when we do ours, it's like very – like I'm, I'm structured. Like we have – this is your podcast. I'm aware. I, I don't have anything to do with the planning or – you know, we, I, I'm not in the production meeting prior to this show. Like we have the detailed production meetings for all of the Bearcat Journal podcasts. I'm, my my whole point is this is I think the unscripted stuff where you don't know what's coming and <laughs> we we get you a get a little more chat than we yeah. normally are accustomed to. Um, what was oh, it? You oh. screwed me up. You screwed me up. I forget what I, Hang on, where I was going. You 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 buffering. I think it's just Aaron that's buffering. Yeah, that's not me. Aaron's, Aaron's, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron's, smile. Aaron's frozen. Hold on, Chad, you're buffering. Get the... Get out of <laughs> here. He's frozen with a smile on his face. I, I think we, like, remember the Navy game where we saw the 4-4 and the UCF game where they, where they unveiled the 3-3-5. And we spent so much of that time praising Marcus Freeman. Rightfully so. He was the defensive coordinator. But now don't you have to like at least think a little bit how much of that was like just as much Luke 
where they so where they sat down and like they were like okay let's let's get a little creative here let's 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 put our own spin on things let's let's be a little different to solve the equation and i think some of that started like a, a lot of bearcats fans i think started to see a lot of that just this year where you know there there was a lot of i think talk that people thought the defense was going to have uh you know maybe a little bit of a uh, fall off because Freeman was gone, and yeah, but we, we don't know that answer yet, Jeff. Oh, I, I get that. No, no, but what but was... Like those were this. That was the the same. The players were the same, right? right? But I I think people were still afraid that without this, you know, like defensive, and not to take anything away from Marcus Freeman because I, I think he's a fantastic coach and he's sure. probably going to do great there. Even better but human. I, yeah, I just I think I think people thought maybe that a lot of like maybe like some of the strings that were being pulled in like the middle of a game or some of the you know, that we were going to lose some of that uh, without him. And I don't think that there was, you know, with I think Luke does have maybe a little bit extra hands on the strings and, uh, you know, and but, maybe that but was what I'm saying is I it. think he had hands on the strings more than people realize. Even well, when Marcus free- was here, yeah, okay, that's fair. or at least, or at least gave him the freedom to think that far outside the box on not having like a preconceived notion of this is the only way we can be successful. Well, let's because that's the- what Marcus was great at, right? Is like, yeah. let's find a like, let's find a way. However, we need to be successful today in this game against this opponent. Let's figure it out. Let's take that even deeper, though. I mean, we found out just last, like, just a couple months ago, I guess, we found out that Denbrock wasn't even necessarily calling the offense 100%. We found out that it was also... Well, Denbrock was still in charge of the offense. It might have been Geno on game day calling the plays, but you can only call the plays that are on the sheet. Right, well, like I, I, I guess my point is, I, I think there's maybe more hands in the pot, whether it be offense or defense, than maybe we realized all along. Yeah. As you move up the trust tree, I think that's fair. I think you know, Lucas shown he's a guy that like, as the more trust he puts in you, the more he believes in you, the more responsibility you're going to have. That like, it's just the trust tree. Jeff is a joke from back during the Michigan State. Uh, courtship of Luke Fickle. There was a there was a meeting called at Luke's house between the what we joked was the trust tree uh, when when final decisions were being made. Isn't that also out of like old school the movie where they're talking to therapists? No, wasn't, the- wasn't it? Uh, it might have been old school, wasn't it? Also, like Meet the Fockers or one of the yeah, Fockers. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Yeah. A, well, that was yeah. a circle of trust. The, the, the circle of trust. Don't, don't get right. it twisted. Yeah, old school the circle is the of trust. trust. Tree. Similar concept. Yes. It's different. Same, same shit. Same, same. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's one of those things that, like, you look at it, and it, it's probably better to have things in that in that fashion where you know, like, one guy isn't responsible necessarily for. You know the the bulk of it, and if you lose that guy, 
the whole house you, of cards doesn't come crumbling down right because you have you have you know a guy who has a lot of success and a lot of your success is based off of this one dude and because of that you know he gets pulled away to another job somewhere else and you're still able to you know put somebody else there they kind of understand the way things are you they move up your trust tree and you give them a little bit more and they understand right. like hey i well, and then it also comes down to the players that you've got. Like they've recruited players that are not only good, but they're smart and they're yeah. able to kind of on the fly implement a, a totally new look. Like well, they, they're versatile, right? Yes, like you, you have guys who can do different things. You know, like it, you're not strictly reliant on this guy only does this or this guy only does that. It's you know, we've got two or three guys that give us the ability to do something different. Like, you know, you can, they've been using uh, Sammy Anderson in the nickel. And they've been using Leroy Bowers in the nickel. Well, guess what? Your defense is completely different when you, like, when you use one or compared to the other. Sammy's obviously going to be a playmaker, a ball hawk in coverage that can really make plays. Where Bowers is going to be like fly fly around, make make stops in the run game, you know, be more a more physical presence than a, a coverage type presence. So like, I guess what's been really interesting is like let's let's say you've got Sammy on the field uh, playing nickel, or, or, or you've got Bowers on the field playing nickel on first and second down. And then you bring Sammy in coverage. And then you move Jaheim to rush end from linebacker, right? And and, and all of a sudden, you changed one guy, but you changed the entire basis of your defense that a, that an offensive coordinator has to figure out, what the hell are they doing right now? They only changed one guy, but they went from this scheme to this completely different scheme. And I, I think that's like in modern defense, keeping offenses, because offenses now are about rhythm, right? It used mm-hmm. to be offense about power, about, you know, running it down your throat or like punking you, so to speak. Now it's about rhythm, right? Get, get the quarterback back, get, get him set make a quick throw, make a quick read. And if he has a tough time figuring out what the hell is happening in front of him, you stand a better chance of stopping him. And you take it one further and you don't change any personnel on the field. Right. And you, and you all of a sudden, yeah, like I said, like you, you start the, as they come to the line, your guys are in, in one scheme. And as the quarterback starts making a couple calls, the defense totally swaps to a, a whole new look and the, he looks up and now he's got to run through a few more calls. Like you said, it, it totally, totally throws off the rhythm uh, of a, of an offense and puts you in the driver's seat. Well, and it throws off the rhythm of a, of a quarterback, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a veteran quarterback that's, that's got three years experience can handle something like that. But if you're playing a team with a little bit of a younger quarterback and you just want to mess with them, to get into his head, all of a sudden, like you're, like you're, 
the, the thing I would say that, that that's different, Jeff, like it, it, I'm talking about like um, like when you're going from first and second down to then you yeah. go into third down where you're you're playing pass coverage. If you yeah. leave Leroy Bowers out there, somebody's going to put, you know, their 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 slot receiver in a position to make a play on a guy that's not necessarily. Right. 100% designed to cover that, but yeah. Um, all, but you, if you can take one or two guys off the field and all of a sudden you're in a completely different defense and you've got a, a quarterback that doesn't have experience dealing with that. Oh boy. You can mess with them. You can well, mess with them big time. Well, you say that, but if you switch to a zone read as opposed to a man-to-man read, all of a sudden everything's changed, you know? So it, it doesn't necessarily sure. matter that you got the personnel in. It, it just matters. Yeah, but I don't think this is a team that's built to play a shit ton of man yet. I think you're going to see a lot more zone next year than people are. Look, which, would, which would make look, sense, especially if you're switching schemes from – well. Know, Drive you're to taking, drive or, or whatever. You're taking away what maybe one of the most accomplished lockdown press man corners. Yeah, there's not in the history of college football. Period. Not in the history of Cincinnati football. In the history of college football, there's been very few press man corners that that were able to do what Sauce did. Regardless, I think we're about to see some shit that we've never seen before out of Cincinnati defense, which should be. Well, the thing is, super they, exciting. They know, know Sauce brought, ain't over there anymore. I was say I know Chad's brought it up. Like, you know, they're you're not gonna have a team that just doesn't look to that side of the field. Now, maybe that throws off a lot of teams in the uh, in the AAC because now they're gonna have to tell their quarterback, like, hey, you can you can use you're the allowed post. to look left. You can, you can Looking use left whole, is okay. You use the whole field now. Uh, well, there's Jeff, not a guy, guy over there that's going to do that. Your boy Arquan's been on the outside, though, Jeff. Hey, he has. You know what? I, I, I said it last year on several occasions. I, I thought he didn't get, you know, and I mean, obviously you're not going to necessarily get what the recognition. Gonna do, take sauce but, off the field? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, they're. Right. But, hey, if, that, if that's the guy that, you know, we have to move over there, I'm all right with it. I think we're at five practices in a row. He's taken pretty much every snap at first team boundary corner, which is replacing sauce. I can't yeah. remember if Jeff was higher on, on Arquan or, or Javon. I think you were high on both of them, but I, I don't remember which one you were Arquan. higher on. Oh, that's what Arquan. I thought. So he's been the one that's been siding to the outside. So yeah. out of, out of and, the slot. and he was never a slot corner. No, he moved there to because he needed to. Because it was, because he was the, the only way he was going to yeah. play. Right. Well, I mean, that's is what it is. He's that's not a, good a problem. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, he's not a 5'10", 180 pound corner, which is what a slot, you know, a nickel corner usually is. Is a smaller guy like Mike Hilton for the Bengals. Correct. A little bit of a smaller guy, like shifty, twitchy. Uh, Arquan moved into that spot because, like. He wasn't he going to. to play if he didn't move to the nickel. So now we're getting to see him outside, and you're not seeing a whole lot of stuff completed his way. Chad, one last question before we get out of here for the night. But uh, JQ, I know you, you you know he's probably my favorite defensive player on this team, actually. Um, just with the relationship I was able to build with him 
when he was going through the recruitment process and all that. Sure. Um, were there any sighting? I know you you put out your ones and twos, and he's not on the twos yet. But were there any sightings today with him with the twos? I didn't see him today with the twos, but I've seen him getting some reps here and there with the twos. Um, he had a pick of Ben Bryant a couple days Saturday. Ago. Yeah. With the two, it was Saturday, Saturday or last Thursday, one of the two. It, I can't it was remember. no, it was Thursday because I got to talk to you that night, and I know yeah, yeah, yeah. you talked with Nick on on Saturday. So, yeah, um, so he's getting a little bit of a look. This is kind of similar to Sauce, where Sauce, well, the difference being Sauce didn't enroll early, um, but we saw it at higher ground there were some times where sauce was starting to get a little like run with the twos. Uh, Cause generally freshmen are running with the threes that you're a freshman. Like you're new. Well, and sauce didn't really come on until several games into his halfway through the season. Right. Yeah. The UCF game was his coming out yeah. party, which was in October. Like, I mean, it was game Not five, early. right. Game Not five, early. game six. Right. Um, Not against your Miami. Right. JQ, JQ's <laughs> doing JQ's doing well. Here's the other thing to remember. We've talked about this. Sauce came in at like 152 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. JQ's 100 and he's 6'3, 198 pounds well, right I mean, now. I, well, I don't even know that that's accurate because when was the last time we talked to Brady? It's been what a week and a half? And he didn't give, he didn't <laughs> give weeks, us weight, right? he didn't give us weight updates. So who knows? But he's a he's a he's He's a filled solidly out. filled out yeah. kid already. He's not like there was a lot of times with Sauce. Like they joke around about the the cartoon character he looks like, Prison. The Incredibles. Yeah, that's um, all arms and legs. When Sauce was young, like well, he looked like he looked like the one of the car things. What's uh, the kid from Coleraine? Um, <laughs> Ken Willis. Ken Willis. He's he's skinny. I don't. I, I mean, he's smaller, obviously. He's well. He's not. He, he's, Look, man. He's, he's you like around. No, he's you like, have he's, no idea. He's how like five eleven, but he's still like one seventy five, one eighty. Is he that? Is he that much? One sixty six. That was close. That wasn't. That wasn't very close. But he's five eleven. Sauce was literally six two and a half, one hundred and fifty five pounds. He looked like he was going to break. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> when he got here. Like, he legit looked like he was going to break. But you could, and, and uh, I'll I'll give him his credit the entire time. Brandon Sosna, who's now the associate AD at USC, was at higher ground like the third day of, of, of camp. And he saw Sauce and he said, That's an NFL cornerback. And we were like, if somebody breathes on him wrong, he's gonna break. <laughs> like fantastic, and and sure enough, man. So JQ has has some physical qualities that are really exciting. He'll be on the field sooner than later. We all know that. Yeah, it's just a matter of like who does he pass, yeah. right? Like I'm, I'm. I, people know I'm a big Todd Bumpus guy. Because I just you were you of, were a big Sammy Anderson guy. Yeah, I like. Well, no, I was more Bumpus than uh, Justin and I have had a back and forth well, on Bumpus and Sammy. 
Last year, last year, I think early on, I think you were a bigger Sammy Anderson guy than you were. Buffett. That's because I always got their numbers confused. <laughs> Didn't help when they had the same number. Right. They can, they, like, Sammy is technically incredibly sound as like an outside field corner. But not flashy? Um, there's not, no, Sammy is much more of the playmaker. Okay. Sammy's the guy that's going to get you interceptions. It's like a ball hawk. Bumpus is the guy that's going to be in the right spot. That's going to. That would be sound to me as far as definitions yeah, go. Yeah. Well, so you, you said it, you said it backwards then. Cause you'd let off with Sammy being the more sound guy. No. Bumpus is the more sound guy. Okay. Sammy is more of the, like the playmaker. Like if we're like, you're charting, like Sammy's got more interceptions and makes more plays on the ball. Bumpus is the guy that never really gets beat, right? But, he, like, but Sammy's going to give up the big play every now and right. then. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, he's got a couple guys he's going to have to pass. That that really wasn't the case for Sauce at the time. Yeah. Because that what Cam Jeffries was was in one corner spot. Kobe was in the other. That was when Kobe was getting his like. He was the the boundary guy. And as we learned, Kobe was much more of a field corner than he was a boundary corner. Um, so I, I don't know where that opening is right away. As we talk about often, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I just don't know where that opening is right away yeah. for JQ. Like, is JQ really going to jump Arquan and force Arquan to the field? Maybe. Like uh, I'm not ruling that out, but I'm As saying you, it's, when you're looking when you're looking at the cornerback huddle, he is a helmet taller than everyone. So the crazy thing people forget about Sauce, the reason that Sauce got his chance was Freeman and Fickle decided that what UCF used to do was they ran so many go routes, right? They're and what they were yeah. what they were trying to do was was physically drain your corners and then the guy would run off they would bring a new wide receiver in they'd run go routes and Cincinnati had decided going into that specific game in 2018 we're going to rotate our corners so that they're not constantly well that was back we don't have the same guy constantly chasing UCF and they were smaller. They were all like 5'10", 5'11", not the, like not track the one, guys. Not not the one dude who went ended up with the Saints. Okay, so they had one guy that wasn't they, like well, that. Well, I, I would assume that's who he was on. No. Well, no? But you're missing the point. Okay. As usual. You like to stray not, from the point. Soccer. They wanted to wear down because most teams just play their corners, right? They're going to... UCF's going to rotate wide receivers and they're going to run vertically to wear your guys down so that eventually as towards the end of the game, they're getting steps on you with their fresh legs against your guys with tired legs. And UC said, okay, well, if you run a vertical on our sideline, that guy's just going to come off the field and we're going to insert a new corner in that spot. So that the next time you run a vertical, that guy's got fresh legs. That's really how Sauce got on the field. Was that that wrinkle of okay? This is what you like to do. This is how we're going to combat it. 
and then he gets the pick six. And then once he got the pick six, the narrative on Sauce started to change a little. Then you go to SMU, he gets another one, and now you can't take him off the field. Is there is there going to be that moment for JQ, right? Like, is he going to have a time to get moment, on the field? Yep. That time to get on the field and and make his presence known. Yeah. Like, 2018. It, is this the year we're talking about? Yeah. 2018. Traquan Smith, 6'2. That was the guy that I was talking about that ended up. Okay. They in, had one big receiver. I'm just, I'm just Congratulations. saying. I'm, I'm just saying that was the guy that he, he's not 5'9. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now do the rest of their receiver group. <laughs> I looked up the guy I was, I was making the point on. It's fine. He's playing for the Saints now. It's fine. Yeah. Congratulations. My favorite, my favorite part is it doesn't matter if they were like six five or five five. Chad was just trying to make a point that they rotated them out. And Aaron finds one little thing that he thinks, oh, well, the they, well, their their receivers weren't all small. They had one guy that was six two. Congratulations, Aaron. And that was another episode of Part of the Punctuation. <laughs> As always, we thank Chad for making time for us again. Thank you to Dave Simone for joining us earlier tonight. You can catch Chad and Dave every Thursday night, Wednesday night, depending on it, whatever the mood is. I have no idea what it's going to be this week. Uh, but that is the BCJ pod that they both appear on. Uh, thanks to Jeff Howell. No thanks to Ed. He went on vacation. And uh, again, that was another episode of Pardon Punctuation. Ed, you got homework to do between that 45 and 50 minute mark. Again, find uh, find, find Dave's where he projects everybody so we can go back and grade him on that and make Jeff Jeff has a whole game based upon that. So uh we're gonna make we're gonna make Dave drunk. <laughs> all in all, another great episode. Thanks to everybody who contributed, and uh we will see you next Tuesday. I am Aaron Smith for part of the punctuation. We are out of here. What?